Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. The Oscar nominations were announced today. And, you know, while we may not watch award shows the same way, we still do keep up with them and we still watch them. And that's why we have Marina Fang here. She is the senior culture reporter from the Huffington Post. And she's going to talk to us about what those Oscar nominations revealed about the state of Hollywood or something like that. Hi, Marina. How are you? Hi, Tanya. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I am doing great. So I think these nominations that came out today weren't particularly surprising. Was that your take as well? Yeah, I agree. A lot of the things that, you know, dominated were the things that I think most people thought would dominate. I feel like the big headlines are, you know, Oppenheimer got 13 nominations, which, um, again, not surprising given that it's the kind of movie that they tend to nominate a lot. It's a big biopic about a white man directed by a white man. Right. And it's the kind of movie that you've got a lot of visual effects. It's, It's a pretty big movie in terms of scale and scope. So, of course, it gets a lot of nominations across the board. So that really wasn't the you know biggest headline but probably maybe um, maybe maybe the least surprising headline honestly um and i think the other headline which i'm sure we'll get into is that barbie also did fairly well but underperformed in a couple of big categories well the question here is who did the oppen barbie or what was it barbie oppen i can't Bar- even barbenheimer barbenheimer marketing yeah. campaign was was that the studios how did that become a thing because somehow or another they took these two very disparate movies pu- pushed them together on this marketing campaign that i don't know if it was social media word of mouth or or or, or all of the above and made both of these movies pop maybe beyond what they might have actually really done at the box office and, and, and maybe with not as much popular support as we would have thought. Yeah. I mean, I think probably all of the above because they were, they were big and I think probably one kind of led to the other, like people were, some people were excited about Barbie. Some people were excited about Oppenheimer and both movies kind of helped each other Mm -hmm. become this huge phenomenon and become these two very big movies. Um, you know, two of the biggest movies of the year. Barbie, it was the highest grossing movie. I think Oppenheimer is up there in maybe the top five. Um, well, well, yeah, it made over a yeah. hundred, uh, it made almost a hundred million dollars worldwide. So I guess I can take that back that it wasn't quite as successful as I might've thought or was more successful than I thought at the box office. And Barbie, obviously pop culture phenomenon, everybody wearing pink because there's a universal love of Barbie. I think we can all say that the movie exploited uh And the fact is that they created a moment and got people back into theaters, which is pretty tough to do in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think also Barbie was able to take, as you said, you know, take our love of Barbie, but also create something original out of that. It felt like it was trying, you know, people can kind of, I think people can debate. And this is what makes the movie interesting. I think people can debate how effectively it was able to take a toy and, you know, a consumer product and make it into an original movie. But, you know, I do think it was able to 
you know, make a movie about feminism that also, I mean, it's hard to market a movie about feminism, but it's easy, easier to market it when it's about a toy that, you know, most people grew up with. Right. And so there were some big nominations, though, I think, for people of color. Um, We have to pay our props because we're here in Philadelphia to Coleman Domingo, who is a West West Philadelphia native. And he is the best actor, one of the five best actor nominees for his role as Bayard Rustin in the Netflix movie Rustin. So definitely congratulations to him, along with Jeffrey Wright who is nominated for American Fiction. I think a nomination for Jeffrey Long, really for both of them, long overdue. Both solid, solid actors. What was your take on uh, the amount of people of color? We've got Danielle Brooks nominated for Best uh, Supporting Actress for The Color Purple. She played Sophia in the movie or in the remake of the movie. And Divine Joy Randolph of The Holdovers is also a Best Supporting Actress nominee. And the very first Indigenous American ever nominated for uh, a Best Actress Oscar in Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. So those are some great nominations. Cord Jefferson uh, nominated for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay for American Fiction. And Sterling K. Brown also nominated for American Fiction. So those seem to be the top nominees of color, which is uh, great. Also, um uh, for Barbie, um, America Ferreira. Yes, America Ferreira nominated for Barbie. So, what is your take on that? Do you feel like after all of the Oscars, really the perennial Oscars so white controversy, yeah. that this actually showed that there uh, is a commitment or more of a commitment to diversity at the Oscars than ever before? Yeah, I think I feel like every year the answer is yes, we're making strides. (laughs) But also, you know, it's always the yes, but we can do more. I mean, Color Purple, Danielle Brooks, I think, was the only person from the entire movie nominated, which is pretty stunning. Um, And I got to pour one out for um, the two snubs that I'm honestly the most disappointed about were Charles Melton in May, December, who I think is phenomenal and i and i worry that performance got overlooked in part because he's a young asian american actor and i feel like young young men of color often kind of get overlooked as rising stars mm. by the academy mm. um i also was really sad about greta lee in past lives which was i think my favorite movie of the year and that movie did get best picture and the director and writer Celine Song got a Best Original Screenplay nomination, but it was pretty unfortunate to see the star of the movie not recognized. Um, and yeah, so I think it's always a mixed bag. Yes, it's it's great to see. I I think I think I saw somewhere that it's it's still pretty rare to see actors of color in every single acting category. Which again, it's unfortunate that that's even you know something remarkable um and it is great to see i think also the range of characters that are getting nominated i do think that's opening up a bit more um but i just yeah i i I would like to get to a point where you know it's not such a big remarkable phenomenon um hopefully it's you know, we get to a point where it's not a huge story anymore. Um, and I mean, the fact that Lily Gladstone is the first indigenous actor is both incredible and she's so wonderful in the movie, but also pretty astonishing that, you know, we're in the year 2024 and that 
you know, we're still thinking about these firsts. And I think that's true of every time we have a first at one of these award shows, it's sort of like, there's the good of it. And there's also the how, how did this take so long? But the sad part is you can only get nominated off of what gets made. And in looking at the best picture nominees, uh, you basically have American fiction representing uh, every person of color um, <laughs> for the most part among the 10 yeah. nominees. And then Killers of the Flower Moon, which, you know, we, we must remember, is also a movie about one of the greatest travesties and in, in, in horrific series of murders of uh, Osage Indians that happened uh actually happened in real life so even when there are indigenous americans on the screen in this case uh they are being murdered so um that's the story that is the one that is resonating and and got a film uh made out of it and of course it's martin scorsese who is the director and as you mentioned oppenheimer with christopher nolan who i think can just do anything he wants to in hollywood i think he actually invented some new cameras or something in order to shoot oppenheimer as i remember and so you're just amazed at the range of things that certain people are able to do in Hollywood. And, you know, obviously he has a track record with films that have done very well box office. But on the other hand, you know, American fiction being such kind of a a really much smaller, more character driven movie than these big kind of, you know, amazingly uh, vast movies like an Oppenheimer, where, as you said, there are all this cinematic, uh, you know, filmmaking wizardry that goes on there. So those are the kinds of movies that Oscars like. But when do the expansion of stories come that can be told by actors and actresses and directors and writers of color uh, consistently enough for them to be able to to qualify for Oscars? When does that happen? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Killers of the Flower Moon, and not to take anything away from that movie, which is one that I actually really liked Mm. and really admired. But as you mentioned, it's about, you know, the horrific murders of Native people. Right. Um, And it's told by a white director who, to his credit, did a lot of work to make sure the Osage people were represented authentically and, you know, has talked a lot about the work that went into that. But still, at the end of the day, that movie got greenlit because it's directed by Martin Scorsese and because it stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. And I'm so glad that Lily Gladstone got recognized. But it also, you know, people have been talking about whether the movie is framed enough around, you know, truly framed around the Osage people because it still is sort of told from the white character's point of view. Yes, it's about white characters being horrible and not, you know, not the heroes. It's a story about white complicity, but it's also, you know, it's still told from their perspective. Um, and I, but I also think, unfortunately, a movie with Lily Gladstone at this truly at the center probably would not have gotten greenlit in today's Hollywood. Right. And and that's where, where we're really landing on this is that yeah. it seems as though despite years of, <laughs> of Hollywood and the thought that things will change because you have more movies that are coming in from more perspectives and different directors and, and Greta Gerwig, the director of Barbie, certainly uh, among the major directors this year. But was she nominated as best director? She was not. No, she was not. That was one of the big headlines of this morning was that she was snubbed. Um, And I I want to I want to point out that, yes, like that is a big, big headline of the morning. I also want to say that I think it's 
I think it's emblematic of a larger issue, which is the thing that we're talking about. Only certain kinds of directors get recognized. Only certain kinds of movies tend to get recognized. Um, Justine Trier, who directed Anatomy of the Fall, was the only woman to get nominated for Best Director this morning. And it seems like, it seems like the Academy almost feels like they're only allowed to nominate one woman or something because mm-hmm. it really like there's only been one other year where or there's only been one year at all where more than one woman was nominated for best director right. and so i think the greta gerwig snub is sort of emblematic of this larger issue which is that they still seem to be really reluctant to nominate women for directing when so many women each year are directing great movies and very, very few of them get the kind of award attention that, you know, even Barbie got. And so I, that's another point of frustration for me. And I think for, for a lot of people, and that's a trend that we've seen year after year after year. And then of course, you know, women of color, especially don't get the kind of awards campaigns and awards attention that, certainly a lot of white men are getting every year. Right. And look what happened last year with the uh, actress that was nominated in the best supporting category that they felt that there was a group of white actresses that campaigned for this one particular actress. Um, and that, that be- right. And that became a big scandal. And so it seems as though, you know, when people come together in that way to support someone, which they're not supposed to do that kind of campaigning is, is what uh, my understanding is, is that people came together on social media to support this really out of left field nomination last year. And um, it potentially could have uh, left a woman of color out. Uh, People were saying that uh, the uh, actress, Danielle Dead. Deadweiler, who uh, starred until that that effectively blocked her from a potential nomination. So even when there might be a role worthy something, I mean, that was pretty that was pretty out of left field, even in Oscar history. But, you know, even so that it still is a struggle. But then on the other hand, do we need as filmmakers, uh, uh, as actors and actresses, does this is this validation? Is this awards validation still important Yeah, I think it is. I know that's a question people ask often. They think, oh, do awards matter? Like, they seem kind of, you know, frivolous. It's just a bunch of people in Hollywood getting together in a room and, you know, being fancy. But yeah, I think they do matter, especially for smaller movies. And especially for, as we keep saying, for actors of color, writers of color, directors of color, you know, marginalized artists generally, that awards attention can really help put people on the radar, help them get more movies made. And so the kind of awards season, awards attention, and who gets anointed really does make a difference. It seems like it makes a difference more in the filmmaking categories, though, because I always say everybody wants an Oscar. But then if you look at people who win Best Actor and Best Actress, it seems like and someone made a good point about this. I can't remember where I saw this, but someone said once you get an Oscar, that represents the peak 
of your career. Right. And generally, it's downhill from there. That could be true, too. Yeah. And when you think about it, most of the best actor, best actor, actress nominees, their careers don't seem to do very well from that point on. Interestingly enough, unless you're a Denzel Washington, who's going to be in everything, or you're going to, or you're a Meryl Streep, that they're just going to keep throwing Oscar nominations at her no matter what. But for everyone else that has won those major awards, it doesn't seem as though it translates uh, to better uh, visibility or, or better uh, options, which is kind of interesting. But on the filmmaker side of things, I think you're absolutely right. The directors, the writers, uh, documentary filmmakers, that really does help their profile and helps them command better projects going forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, for actors, I think it might be a different story. But I, I do still think, you know, especially I think for actors of color, which again, it's still so rare that actors of color even win. Um, I do think, you know, having Oscar winner or even Oscar nominee next to your name does, you know, open some some doors, you know, hopefully more. I mean, at, at the same time, I've heard people of color talk a lot about how sometimes those doors were not open for them, even when they get the awards attention. Um, but, you know, one can only hope that it at least makes makes some sort of difference. Um, and it is kind of a measure, again, as imperfect as it is, it is a measure of, okay, people, people are recognizing you, people know who you are, people are honoring your work. And so it does at least, you know, get you on people's radars a bit more than perhaps they saw you before. But unfortunately, as we said, maybe not when it comes to actors and actresses of color, because that's what Taraji P. Henson was saying. She's like, I was yeah. an Oscar nominee. And still after that, more than a decade later, I'm still fighting in order to get the money that I feel that I deserve. Mm -hmm. And I think Halle Berry probably would say the same thing. Yeah. Um, and there are other actors and actresses that have come through. But you know, every year it's just so different. What do you think is going to be the prevailing story of this year's Oscars? Well, I don't know. I <laughs> We were talking at the beginning about how these were so predictable. And of course, everyone's saying, OK, well, Oppenheimer's going to win Best Picture. Oppenheimer's going to win a lot. And I think, unfortunately, that is going to be true. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think every year I hope, and again, hope is the operative word, I hope award season gives people, especially in the industry, especially the gatekeepers, an opportunity to kind of, you know, reevaluate, okay, you know, what movies did we nominate this year? What can we do better? Um, this is a moment of a lot of visibility for Hollywood. This is the big time of year where a lot of people are paying attention to what gets nominated, what does not. And, you know, hopefully it's an opportunity for them to do better, which I think, you know, is always a mixed bag, but um, so yeah, hopefully that happens at some point. And really a chance, uh, as you said, with all eyes on Hollywood, a chance to make the case as to why people should go back into theaters, because I am sure that people yeah. are not uh, making it out to theaters the way that they used to. But on the other hand, the, the Barbie Heimer uh, marketing campaign and the fact that people enjoyed those movies, that really did uh, help Hollywood's profile and, and help uh, create a moment where people wanted to go see those films in the theater. So it will be interesting to see how they parlay that into this year's releases. Yeah. Well, yeah, Maria, and, no, go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, I just wanted to add that, you know, we're talking about the big movies, but I thought 2023 was actually a really strong year overall for movies. So I hope, you know, people go check out some of the smaller movies, things that got nominated or things that didn't, um, because I think, you know, seeing a movie and seeing it in theaters is always such a great experience. So whatever, you know, whatever Oscars or not, I think that's always a great thing to, to do. Well, the Oscars nominations, they are out and uh, we will have to see who picks up these prizes. The 96th Academy Awards will air live on ABC on Sunday, March 10th. So if you haven't seen those movies, you still got a little time to go and check them out, hopefully uh, in a theater. If not, they're going to be on streaming, I'm quite sure. Marina Fang, Senior Culture Reporter at the Huffington Post. Thank you, as always, for being with us on Reality Check. Oh, thanks for having me, Tanya. It's always a pleasure. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 